Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership, to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business topics, trends, innovation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode today, we have the honor of experiencing a leader who has a combined experience of working for the nonprofit sector and being self-employed within the domains of mental health, but also brings the wisdom and experience of an entrepreneur who owned an online fashion mall. We're joined by Candace Ali, President and Chief Executive Officer of Trauma Resource Network, holds governance roles and has a coaching practice. We'll learn about her, but also about the topic of trauma and how she's making a difference. Welcome, Candice. How are you doing this morning? Thank you for having me, Stephen. I'm doing well. Wonderful. Candice, tell us uh, briefly about, uh, about yourself. Where are you, where are you based? Um, we're in North Carolina, namely I live in Hillsborough and Trauma Resource Network's headquarters is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Awesome. What's, what's the weather like today in uh, North Carolina? It is beautiful. The sun's shining, it's warm, and it's just a beautiful day. Oh, what lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm based in London, as you know, and um, we're in the UK and we're having a kind of a heat wave. It's, it's about um, average about 23 degrees. That's what we call a heat wave here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Candice, tell us uh, briefly about your personal uh, and your professional journey. So in 2016, um, I started a fashion boutique. And then from there, it grew. That was my beginning of my entrepreneurship journey. And it grew into an online mall where many retailers would sell their clothing. And then the pandemic hit in 2020 around the world, as we all know, or most know. And I come to the realization that there was something more that I needed to do to try to help people. Um, it just didn't seem like enough that I was helping people sell their clothing. I wanted to help people and had gotten to a point in my life where I felt more comfortable in sharing my story and the things that I'd been through. And I decided to um, become more educated around the realm of trauma and um, really got into my own healing journey very deep. And then uh, in January of 2022, complex trauma became something that the World Health Organization uh, finally recognized. And then I knew it was like an aha moment that Trauma Resource Network um, would be an organization that I would found that would really provide resources to people who have had a traumatic experience in their life that may not know where to find resources or how to find help or um, where to go for that help. And so what we really uh, try to do at Trauma Resource Network is just help people by providing them those resources. And, and are you leading this whole effort by yourself or do you have a team of people? Do you have an organization that is set up to, to help you succeed? 
We do. Um, so it's myself. We have a chief operations officer. We have a board of directors. Um, so there is a team of us, and that team came together pretty quickly um, based on the goal, the vision, and the mission of the organization. And we're all out there working every day um, to fulfill the mission of the organization. So Candice, this is very interesting. I'm keen to delve a little bit more deeper into this, but um, is this your primary focus now Absolutely. with your company? Okay, so yes. you've moved away from the the, the 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 online fashion mall. You're focusing on the people element, uh, trauma care, um, and you mentioned um, in in uh, in one of our um, earlier conversations about the coaching modality and how you're providing unconditional regard for individuals struggling with uh, you know traumatic or overcoming traumatic experiences. Tell tell us a little bit more. I mean, you touched on that one briefly, but tell us a little bit more about the start and, and how that journey goes from an individual's perspective, experiencing sure. with you, um, yeah. Yeah, so I had gone through therapy uh, many times in my life, I've been in therapy in and out, in and out. And then in 2018, I really began to take my recovery very seriously. And what happened then was I um, got on my recovery journey and started networking with other folks in recovery. And then, like I said, um, really began to learn more about trauma and uh, various types of trauma and all that when the pandemic uh, began in 2020 and got into a recovery coaching program and found it very interesting that I felt like I couldn't start my coaching practice. I, I had all this education, I had all this stuff, but I felt like I just couldn't get it started. Um, like I I was feeling what many refer to as imposter syndrome. And what makes me good enough to do this? You know, why do I think I'm, I can do this? Why do I think I can help other people? After being so confident about that, that that's what I wanted to do. And then feeling so helpless, like, can I really do this? And I started working with a coach and coaching was so powerful for me because I didn't, they didn't go back and process, try to process and talk about, do talk therapy of the things from my past. They wanted to know where I was today and where did I want to go in my future? And for me, that was just so powerful because I've relived my past long enough in my life and what I wanted help with was how do I move forward? And that motivational interviewing and coaching modality really, really did that for me. And so much so that I knew I had to become a coach and, you know, that I was then I was ready to actually do it instead of just taking the education piece. So it was very powerful once I actually experienced the coaching. And now I'm a believer. Uh, yeah, good. What, what wonderful. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued now. So so do you does your company apply this or is it just yourself or do you have like a team of people who who applies this this model um, through the you know through through your uh, through your business services? Yeah. Um. So we actually uh, partner with other organizations and we offer uh, online peer support and coaching services primarily 
And the idea behind doing it online was that people in rural communities, people who couldn't afford to travel to go to a coaching session, people who, um, you know, we're trying to reduce those barriers as much as we absolutely can for people. And, you know, with having online telehealth, um, really the barriers uh, that you need to overcome are having an internet connection and a device. And research has shown that most people have a phone, a smartphone, and most people that have a smartphone connect to the internet. And if they don't have that, there are libraries and ways to overcome those barriers at low or no cost. Yeah. And, and Candice, do you, are, are there other organizations like this similar to what you're doing in, in the local area, let's say North Carolina, or, or just generally compared to what you're doing now? Um, so I don't know if there are any organizations that really focus on psychological trauma, like we do at Trauma Resource Network. I have networked with some other coaches. Um, a complex trauma coach that I know in Australia is doing a lot of work. But as far as here in the States, um, trauma is still something that's very, very stigmatized. A lot of people see it as uh, someone would need to be in a war zone to experience trauma or would need to have gone through something physically traumatic um, to be a trauma survivor. And what we know based on the research and the science is that's not the case at all. And Dr. Gabor Mate tells us, you know, we have to start seeing ourselves as not what's wrong with me, but rather what happened to me. And it's a huge mindset shift that we have to make. And um, as we can make that as a society and what begins individually, and then it can become as a society that we shift our mindset and thinking. And that's part of what Trauma Resource Network hopes to do is to have a global reach and to be able to spread that word and that awareness to more people that they're, they're not, people are not broken. The events that have happened to them have caused their brain to rewire in such a way that they live in a hypervigilant state. Yeah, yeah, no, wonderful. Um, so, Candice, you've you've got a you've got a company, you've got a board, uh, you are serving on committees uh, in, in the in the county. What are some of the challenges related to how you're operating, but you as your profession um, within these different dimensions of um, these different organizations? What kind of challenges are are you are you facing? Um, there's a lot of challenges with funding. Um, you know, their uh, grants are very competitive. And uh, so that's that's one challenge that we find and simply just people not understanding trauma and really um, working to educate around that. And, you know, just sitting down and talking to people about what trauma is and, and how it affects pretty much everybody in some way. Okay. Wonderful, and and um, let's let's move on to your your experience as a leader a leader as well. So, can you share a, a story that comes to mind from a time as um, you know as an entrepreneur, a senior leader, or even in your current role? Um, you know that resulted in a highly positive outcome, aside from you know the big achievement of establishing your company. Yeah, sure. Um, so we. Um, in our organization, we recently um, did some 
networking and things. And what I really have done is worked very, very hard in our team to foster a trauma-informed workplace. And we all work remotely, so that can have its challenges. But I do believe that through being authentic as a leader and um, leading with my mind, but also with my heart, it really has allowed for me to allow space for others uh, to have other things going on in their life and really trying to be understanding that we can't always be in the same place at the same time. And what it's really done for Trauma Resource Network is given us a really, really high performing team that doesn't have to connect a whole lot to really get things done. Because if you communicate clearly and you show that um, compassion to one another and you have that trust built, then that really, really makes a difference. And I'm a firm believer of that. And I lead my organization in that way. And it's really paying off for us. Yeah, it's power, powerful, powerful, um, powerful words, communication, authenticity, and trust. Um, you know, that, that definitely helps in building your organization, but also brings in your team together on a common purpose, on a vision that you have established. So well done. Well done you on that one. Um, and and uh, you mentioned about uh, you know pandemic and how you're actually navigating through that. Are you fully integrated despite pandemic and how to how to go about uh, working despite the challenges of pandemic? So I worked remotely before the pandemic um, since our business was already online and then uh, transitioned and you'd asked me earlier if I'd gone completely away from our boutique business and that actually is still a thriving business uh, that my husband now uh, operates. Um, so we were very accustomed, my husband and I were very accustomed to working side by side on very different projects um, pri uh, prior to the pandemic. So for us, it wasn't a huge uh, change. It wasn't like we went from the office to working at home like so many other people had to deal with. And um, so for us, we were already integrated into not working in a big office surrounded by a lot of people and sharing the same space in our personal lives and our work lives, um, which you know has its pluses and minuses. Um, but I think if there's something to be said, if you can live with someone long-term for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for sure. So. Um, based on that, I would say that we are um, decently integrated with the pandemic. I don't know that anyone is, is fully integrated because it seems like at every turn, there's something new to navigate. But um, I would say that uh, business-wise, we are integrated and we are doing well. Wonderful. Any, any life lessons you'd like to share or people that you, uh, you follow or admire that has inspired you to, to move into this direction? Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, you know, um, he is an amazing person in the trauma realm and very resilient as evidenced by, um, you know, leaving one organization, founding another and it becoming, you know, equally, if not more successful. And that was very powerful for me. So I've researched a lot of different um, trauma focused practitioners and authors and speakers and all of that and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk just really really uh, speaks to me in a way that um, 
a lot of others just haven't. And um, but don't get me wrong, Dr. You know, Dr. Stephen Porges, Dr. Gabor Mate, Janina Fisher, all of those folks are just great, amazing people who are trailblazing the way for psychological trauma. And um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book that I really, really resonated with, and that was The Body Keeps the Score. And I think for me, that's what really did a lot of um, created maybe that um, interest in in his work for me is where that started. And then just continuing to research him, uh, he's definitely someone who I aspire to be more like for sure. Yeah, okay. And Candice, what, what are some of the important topics or trends on your mind these days, uh, you know, aside from the trauma aspect or the subtopics of it that you feel impact people like you and me, but also businesses, leaders, boards, and, you know, journeys that they, they need to be focusing on uh, as they progress through this, the, these complex times. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, as humans, we can sometimes be quick to pass judgment on others. And so just really trying to give each other space uh, to be human and to make mistakes and to realize that none of us are perfect and none of us are going to get it all right every single time and really respecting and honoring the fact that there's usually more than one way to get to uh, the end. You know, some people walk, some people run, some people sprint to get to the end of the track. Um, but no matter which way you take, uh, as long as it works for you, just give other people space to to take that race however they choose yeah and candice you, you you wrote to me that you 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 refer to yourself as a human doing rather than a human being because you always try to do something to pay forward in some way uh pay forward to others tell tell me a little bit more about that philosophy i mean how how did you uh, how did you come to that i like i like the way you describe it human doing versus human being well, my family always tells me, do I ever stop? <laughs> do I ever just stop and be? <laughs> and the answer is yes, I do. Um, and I do that when I meditate, you know, have my personal meditations uh, in the morning and at night when I get around to them at night. Um, but I, I always feel like I need to be doing something. And it really gives me personal fulfillment. It's part of my self-care journey to be doing for others. Um, that is something that fulfills me. I've never been a person that um, a lot of money or material things really drove me or made me happy. Um, I obviously, uh, you know, aspire to do well and, and do my best at whatever I do, but it, it, uh, money has just never been a really a driving factor for me. Rather, um, the impact that I can make in people's lives are something that I find um, very powerful for my inner peace and for my personal fulfillment as a human being. And so for me, doing for others really warms my heart. It makes me happy. Um, I'd much rather give a gift than receive a gift. Not that I don't want someone else to feel good by giving me something, but I would rather um, give them something or, um, tell them to buy themselves something before buying me something so I just try to put others before myself and 
in ways um, we're all selfish and that that's not always a bad thing. And so that's something very important to note as well. And that's actually something that coaches and mentors have really pointed out to me. Like sometimes you have to be selfish because if you don't take care of your family first and your needs first, then you won't have the energy to help others. Much like we often hear, we have to put on our face mask first if we're on a, an airplane and get ourselves the oxygen we need before we can help others. Otherwise, we're going to be of no good to ourselves or anyone else. So there are times we have to be selfish and, and you know, that it is what it is. And selfish has got such a bad connotation in this world these days. But um, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes we have to be selfish. It's when we become over selfish and all we worry about is ourselves and nothing about others that it becomes, you know, we start maybe skirting the line there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's something that I have consciously discovered within myself and I'm applying that because that connotation was always there within myself selfish but no actually you do need to take care of yourself it's very very important the oxygen mask these are these are good um, uh, analogies you know to uh, to refer to in your mind to actually progress so yes. can candace tell me outside of your pro professional day-to-day -day, what uh, what interests you like to do or what's what, what do you like most um i love spending time with my family I um, run a peer support group that I always get as much, if not more, out of the group than others do. And that's just part of my own personal recovery that's totally outside of my work. Um, and I'm a, I'm a girl, I love to shop. <laughs> <laughs> and you did build an online shopping mall too. <laughs> I did. Okay, wonderful. So um, to tell us a little bit more about uh, a day in the life of Candice. What, what, what does it look like? Morning to evening. Uh, so I get up in the mornings and right now my life includes having my father with us who's battling cancer. And so um, I make sure that he's taken care of. I make sure that my uh, six dogs, I have six men pins. I make sure they're all settled uh, before I begin my day my husband assists with that and we both work on that and i meditate in the morning um before i take care of my personal hygiene and all of that and then get started with my work day um whether it be come to my office or work from my home office and then i work till usually four or five in the evening and then i um typically right now then do some work um some more work on my own, you know, my own personal business outside of the nonprofit. And uh, at this moment, I actually hold a position with another organization um, in the technology department. So I sprinkle that into my day and get the hours in for that as well. And um, then just try to be present and spend time with my family in the evenings and um, my friends and family and and balance that as best I can and, and make sure that my dad is okay and taken care of and all of those things. So um, my life's by no means perfect. It's not easy being an entrepreneur by any means. And um, I don't try to sugarcoat it like it is. So, you know, real life happens. And so there's sometimes that I just can't get to a meeting if there's a family emergency, but I really try to be 
in all that I do, I just try to be as authentic and, and true to myself and true to the mission of the organization that I'm serving. Amazing. What's the next big business or personal adventure for you? Um, well, I keep telling our team that we're going to take recovery across America. So we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. We're, um, I'm very serious about that. So we'll see how it goes. I believe in you, Candice. <laughs> okay. Well, we're coming to a close very shortly. Um, is there any messages that you'd like to share, closing messages or a challenge to other leaders um, who are doing similar type of work, but, but also on the other side on life, leadership, key lessons, any, any topics that you'd like to share or challenge other leaders? Yeah, um, leadership's not easy. And um, I challenge all leaders to just continue to be resilient and know that this is not a sprint. Um, it is a marathon. And so um, just, you know, trying to get to the top is, is not easy. And, and by trying to get to the top, I mean by starting our own organizations and, and being able to believe in, in what we want to do enough to actually start that organization and know that, you know, if you're a new entrepreneur, it's hard. The first few years are very, very difficult, um, but there are rewards in it. And so I just encourage other leaders to just keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on fulfilling your mission and vision of your organization and you will see progress over time. So my final thought would just be what I tell my children um, is that even one small task a day over the course of a year um, adds up to 365 things you've done to make a difference. So um, even the small things add up. And so I just encourage other leaders uh, just to do small things because people notice it and they do add up. And as long as we're doing the right thing, when nobody's looking, just like when people are looking, then that in my mind is what makes us good leaders. Candice, thank you very much for being with us today and for sharing your journey. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here, Stephen. Thank you. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode with another guest, um, another leader who will be sharing his journey on how venture capital supports growing firms. Stay tuned. Thank you and have a wonderful day.